One Week Season. Everybody, we have three games on this Saturday slate. I can myself are going to go over. We're going to talk about the Seahawks and the Chiefs, the Commanders and 49ers, and the Eagles versus Cowboys. How are you holding up, Mike, with all this weather and snow? And we got delayed today. I know a little bit because of it. How, how are you doing there? Uh, doing all right. Trying to trying to stay warm. You can like see the frost on the windows and the door handles outside. It's uh. And when I was texting you this morning, it was a uh, feels like of negative 35 degrees here. So, um, yeah, getting a little taste of what uh, what some of the NFL guys are going to deal with this week. That's crazy what's going on. I, I was joking last night. I don't even have to like look at my weather app. All I got to do is read Twitter, read Twitter. And I know what the weather's like all over the country right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. We're. It's here just in time for Christmas, I guess. This is what some people wish for, but I'm not one of those people. Yeah, I prefer shoveling sunshine in the winter. That's why we're down south by Mexico. You got it figured out. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to get right into this with what a lot of people are looking at as one of the potential games of the week on Saturday, the Seahawks and the Chiefs. Chiefs have the highest implied total. The Seahawks are supposed to have a core of their group coming back walk me through your overview on the macro picture of this and and what your thoughts are of this game and then i got a few questions for you yeah so what you have here is two teams that are both i believe top seven in the league in pass rate over expectation the chiefs lead lead the league and the seahawks are in sixth or seventh and then you've got the Chiefs also play at a, a fast pace, and Seattle's uh, tempo has been pretty fast this this season as well. So it's just kind of the recipe you're looking for with two teams that throw the ball a lot. You've got for the Chiefs, Jarek McKinnon is taking over in the backfield as their lead back, which we saw at the end of last season as well. Isaiah Pacheco is being mixed in as well, but his he's mostly getting carries and when he's out there, it's kind of predictable run situations. McKinnon's playing uh, over 60% of the snaps the last few weeks. And we saw him take over in the playoffs last year. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here as well. The chiefs, they they're tied with the bills who play the bears this week, which is a game they should win, but the chiefs are tied with the bills for the one seed in the AFC and they need to win. And this is a Seahawks team that is 500 and in the thick of the NFC playoff race. So the Chiefs are going to have to bring it. And for them, bringing it is leaning on their superstar quarterback, throwing the ball all over the yard. And the Seahawks defense has been had, uh, to say it politely. That, uh, was not, that was very polite. By, by several opponents this year. So, you know, it sets up really is as a a game that it has a very good chance, especially on this smaller 10 game slate with several of their games between poor offenses and, or in very bad weather. Um, This is, this is a spot that that could really take off. And it's a spot that most of my builds will kind of start around. 
so walk me through that from the KC side to start. Where where do you how do you get exposure to their pass catchers? And if you're talk about I know you play a lot of MME, but let's help our three max single entry guys a little bit here too. How do you get exposure there and, and how are you deciding who you want exposure to when we've seen it get a little more correlated here, but it's still all over the place for the Chiefs? Well, it's actually it's not as all over the place as most people tend to think about with the chiefs, because what you've actually had over the last two weeks is McKinnon, Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith Schuster have combined for 68 and 69% over the last two weeks of the chiefs targets. So that's, that's a pretty concentrated, but among three players, that's a pretty concentrated, um, you know, target dispersion. And then you throw in McKinnon's rush attempts, which he's going to see seven to 10 most weeks. And he gets used in the red zone a lot. So really McKinnon's role, McKinnon might be the most underpriced player on the slate. And it, it feels point chasey. I feel like to a lot of people. And that's why McKinnon still isn't like busting through the roof in ownership, but really McKinnon is playing next to Patrick Mahomes. And he has the role that we all like wish DeAndre Swift had like he's going to get seven to 10 targets probably and he's going to get seven to 10 rushes and he's going to be used in the red zone and it's in the best you know the best scoring offense on the slate because the Eagles are without hurts so and in, in a really good matchup so I think he's really underpriced and the Chiefs they use a lot of these other guys but none of those other guys the, the other tight ends, um, Pacheco maybe gets one or two targets. And you, you even look at guys like MVS and, and Kadarius Tony as, uh, and J- Justin Watson. Those guys each will get, maybe get a couple targets, but none of them are likely to spike for six, seven targets randomly. It's going to be Mahomes probably throwing the ball 35 to 40 times and 25 to 30 of those targets going to these three guys, Juju, Kelsey, and McKinnon. So I actually think I think they're it's a great spot to stack. I think that um, in the smaller field stuff, even more so, it becomes easier to take on the salary that Mahomes and Kelsey bring in. I think you look at Mahomes, Kelsey and McKinnon and essentially what you've got is the quarterback RB1 and top receiving option for uh for the top scoring team on the slate and McKinnon's price kind of makes it more, uh, more makes it hurt less. Yeah. What's it that? Makes yeah. It hurt it makes it less. And he's finally coming up a little bit on ownership right now on the updated projections right now. He's right around 15% and for yeah, his price, I agree, and it should be 25. Yeah. Even at that, that's where I'm looking at like Christian McCaffrey is, is probably going to be over 30% and in small field, probably get over 40 and you know the single entry three max type stuff and he's almost 3k more in salary but i mean i would we've seen it the last two weeks what what mckinnon's capable of and i don't like his usage those those performances are have been hot you know ceiling type performances but they're not like out of the range where if he did it again this week you'd be like wow he can't keep this up because he's He's being used in the red zone. He's being used in the passing game and the Chiefs score a lot, you know, and then you look at the Seattle side and it's, 
you take Tyler Lockett out of the equation and DK Metcalf is probably going to see, yeah, I would say 11 to 14 targets is pretty fair in this matchup. And the Chiefs pass defense has not been overly concerning this year. Granted, they could give him more attention, but Metcalf is also, you know, there's ways offenses can scheme the ball to people. And then you've got Kenneth Walker, who is $6,400 only. And I think he's going to be, he's, he missed practice all week. So that's a bit concerning, but I guess if he's playing in this matchup, did you see the report from Carol that came out? It was either last night or this morning. He came out and said Walker's playing. Yeah, yeah. I saw that he's playing, but it's a little concerning when a guy doesn't practice all week. But also, like, if you know you're going to give the ball to a guy a ton, (laughs) that's the the type of guy that you're going to, like, try to limit if he's dealing with injuries and you know you're going to lean on him a bunch. Um, you know, at only 6,400 and, you know, if you're, you have to think through it from the coaching standpoint, if you're the Seahawks going on the road here, coming out to start the game, you'd probably want to limit Mahomes possessions and try to pound the ball a little bit. And we've seen Walker bust off some big runs. So he's an interesting piece at a lower price tag. And then you've got Marquise Goodwin and Noah Fant, who I think those two combined have a 7.7 K salary on DraftKings. And with Lockett out of the equation and you look at, you know, the Seahawks, other tight ends, Will Disley and Colby Parkinson, they mix in some, but really they don't ever combine for more than three or four targets. And Walker doesn't see that many targets. And now that he's back um, and really they don't, they don't haven't had any other receivers other than Metcalf Lockett and Goodwin this season that have, have really been on the field much or been trusted or or thrown the ball off. And so if we assume the chiefs are going to, that this, the chiefs are going to win this game and and build a lead. Matt Gino is probably looking at 35 to 40 targets. You know, Metcalf's not going to see 20. So if we cap him at 11 to 14, and then these other guys at, you know, seven or eight combined, all of a sudden you've got like 12 to 15 targets, maybe more to there's only two guys left to disperse them to. And that's Goodwin and Fant. So that's a really interesting approach to me. If you look at those two as one player, as the Seahawks pass catcher two, um, $7,700 combined knocks out the tight end spot and 12 to 15 targets in the highest scoring game of the week. Like sign me up. How do you, so do you want any exposure on the defensive side, right? We're always looking for opportunity on defense. We want a lot of passing. We want a lot of opportunity to, to put those points up. Do you see a spot where we know they're going to throw it? We know who they're going to most likely throw it at, as you just described. And then do you say, Hey, I maybe get unique in MME, use some of the chiefs defense to maybe, you know, maybe they get a couple interceptions and maybe they get a pick six. Yeah, I think that's that's very interesting. I think both defenses are interesting. I actually included the Seahawks in my uh, Saturday Crunch article because the uh, same thing, they're they're like min price and Mahomes is great, but the Broncos and Texans had five and seven points the last two weeks and it, it is going to be cold there and the Chiefs are going to throw the ball a lot. It only takes one mistake. So um, I think both 
both defenses here are interesting ways to play it, especially if you're not building a roster around this game. Then I think it becomes really interesting because kind of the how does if you're not building around this game and the passing attacks and you're going somewhere else, you've got to be thinking like the Chiefs, this environment is so likely to put together a score that that gives you a chance to win a tournament that if it doesn't, how does that happen? And how that probably happens is, you know, some the offense is failing a bit and some offensive mistakes some big defensive plays. I could definitely see that kind of opportunity there. Well, speaking of CMC, next up on our list is the Commanders and 49ers. We've 34% on McCaffrey right now. Here's one we were just talking about is CMC's rush usage this week. How do you his rushing prop right now is 20 and a half rush attempts after that monster game he just had rushing the ball all those times. We know Washington has been much more susceptible to the pass and the run. And Shanahan is a coach that definitely tries to play to the matchup. He doesn't try to force something that he doesn't have to force. How do you see that usage with McCaffrey? And do you see him getting 21, 22 rush attempts again? Or do you, do you see them trying to throw the ball with rock and, and using it more, you know, using it more that way this week? You know, I think that the total talking about the total rush attempts, I think it's hard to see him getting over that number. The 49ers, they're essentially, they can't catch the Eagles for the one seed. They have the division locked up. And they can't be caught by the Bucks, who are currently the four seed winning the NFC South. So what you have is they're either going to be the two seed or the three seed. And that's not a huge difference. So at this point, you look at they've lost uh, they've lost Jimmy G and they've lost Trey Lance. So they've got this seventh round rookie quarterback, Brock Purdy, that they're relying on. And obviously they gave up a lot for CMC. Like he's got to be the engine that drives them down their playoff run. Now they're still going to use him. They're still going to try to win, but from just like a strategic and logical standpoint, if you're the 49ers, like you're not this week, 16 game is very inconsequential to your ultimate goals. So are you really going to let him take 30, you know, hit, take punishment 30 times against a a good physical defense like this. I don't think so. I think something more in the lines of like 15 to 18 carries and six to eight targets, you know, where the targets are more out in space and less likely to, to take a pounding. Um, But I think it's a spot where they're going to try to get some of those younger backup backs, maybe Jordan Mason, Tyrion Davis price involved. And I don't think it's, to the point where either of those guys is viable. But I do think that six to 10 rushes going to those backup types is very reasonable. And I think that, and I alluded to this in my edge write up, I could see the 49ers with things kind of being locked in and this being a matchup that funnels things more towards the pass. I could see them trying to put more on Brock Purdy's plate, trying to push him a little bit, trying to encourage his development because they're going to need him to make some plays. There's going to come a time 
you know, where the rubber hits the road in the playoffs. And, you know, he's going to have to make some throws. He's going to have to make some plays. So I think this would be a good time to, to open him up to that. That was my perception when we were talking about it this morning on what we liked from, from that standpoint. And I was saying I really liked CMC's under rush prop this week for that reason. It, it doesn't make sense in this game, as you just described, for him to take that kind of damage. Right. It just the math doesn't line up. I think they... I think they run a ton of screens. I think they run a ton of bubble screens. I think they continue to use CMC out as a slot receiver like they've been doing. I think they Mm -hmm. get him the ball that way on some quick slant stuff. I also really like Kittle this week again. This is a spot where Kittle could be Kittle and, and smash at that tight end. And especially at, where is he at right now? Let's see where he's coming in at. Yeah, I mean, Kittle right now is... Single digits, high single digits. Yeah, high single digits, 8%. He's still only $5,300. It's, yeah. I mean, who else is right there as I start looking, right? Because you have, we have Kelsey and then really everybody else. And you start looking at yeah, the he's, price. And while he's he's kind of there around Hawkinson and Andrews. Um, on yeah, FanDuel, yeah. he's priced up to like 7K. But yeah, he, yeah he's... And I talked about Kittle in my write-up too. He's in my player grid. He there's been three games that Debo Samuel has missed last year and this year, and Kittle's averaging 25 DraftKings points in those three games. If you expand it to the last to this year and the last two seasons, there's been seven games where Debo played under 35% of the snaps. Kittle's averaging 21 DraftKings points in those games. So, you know, it's he clearly was became a focal point um for Brock Purdy you know, these last couple games since Purdy became the starter and without Debo, I think that just kind of is going to continue. And he's, you know, like an arbitrage on Kelsey as like the de facto top receiving option uh, for, for the 49ers here. And that's, that's a good point. So that's one of the ways if you want to go with, Right. If you want to go with that defensive front we were just talking about on the Kansas City game, here's another way to get, you know, an extra piece of leverage on what, you know, on what could be there. That's yeah. definitely an interesting side. On the Washington side, right? Their team totals 15 and a half. The one I can't figure out is why everybody I get I like Brian Robinson. I think Washington has done a good job running the ball. I don't understand why. Brian Robinson's rushing prop by Vegas is what it is this week. And then I got to look at his ownership. He has all uh, his, I believe it was 11 and a half. Let me pull it right back up here. I had it here. I was looking at it right before we got on. It is. It's in uh, it 11 and 11, a half. Russia 11 and a half. And it's moved to 12 and a half on a couple. It's moved to 12 and a half on FanDuel already. So. That means people are betting it over. I don't understand what, like, you just, uh, we we were just giving a good example. I'm going to let you explain uh, how much fun you think it would be and give a little teaser. And I I think it's, I think it applies to this of Washington. Why do you want to run into a brick wall? Why do you just want to shove him down the throat at the Niners when they've shown what they're going to do to, to running backs? Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the Niners run defense is arguably the the best in the league. And 
it's going to be really hard for them to move the ball. I think that rushing prop is, is pretty interesting because I think they're going to try, right? Like they're at like, they're at the end of the road with uh, Taylor Heineke, Ron Rivera even left the door open for bringing in Carson Wentz. So it's, it's like a, it's an interesting situation where you don't, they're trying to protect their quarterback. They're trying to limit things that he's asked to do, but that's just going to put him in even worse situations because they're going to try to run the ball into this brick wall early and they're likely to fall behind. And then he's going to be left throwing it against a very good defense in predictable situations, which is probably going to lead to some bad things. I kind of, if there was a line out there on Carson Wentz taking snaps in this game, I would probably take uh, the over over 0.5 for Carson Wentz here. And It'll just be interesting. A lot of it will just come down to what the 49ers offense can do, because even if they're down like 13 to three, they probably just keep running it into the brick wall and just mean that they can grind out late a close win, which is kind of how they have managed to get to. So do you, does that take you to want any exposure to the 49ers? defense with maybe a Kittle? Um, I don't know if I would play both of them together because basically if I'm playing the 49ers defense, my bet is kind of that like they, like they just ransack the Washington and like for them to really hit that like 25 point game that you want from a defense, especially if you're paying up for them, they're going to need like defensive touchdowns and stuff. And that often takes away from the ceiling of offensive players. So I wouldn't, I, the 49ers defense is probably my favorite defense on the slate because I think that they're going to just destroy um, Heineke and maybe get some chances to, to take advantage of Wentz as well. But um, I wouldn't play them with Kittle. So I have some best balls that made it to the semis that have some Washington went stacks on them. And I, as like my secondary or even really third, it's really my third stack on the team. So I, I've, when I heard Riviera said that I was very much like, come on, Rod, give me some, you know, give me some magic here. Cause that from a best ball point of view, right. If he came in and, you know, they, you know, they get some in by, you know, first, second quarter and say this turns into a game where they're throwing the ball a ton because they're trying to catch up to the Niners. That that could lead to breaking best ball slates because the pass through rate for Wentz was like nothing. So that was as someone that has a personal share, I'm very much in favor of seeing Wentz go there. Yeah, I don't I don't think Wentz will be what gets you there, but I do think the pass catchers are kind of interesting, especially Samuel and Dotson at, at a low price tag. Kind of similar to what we talked about with uh Noah Fant and Marquise Goodwin. Dotson and Samuel are are very talented players and they have a combined salary of eight point three K. And with the elevated pass rate that the 49ers usually see and the explosiveness those two guys have, I wouldn't be surprised if one of them has a good game and the two of them combined could in small field could be an interesting combo to pair with a Kelsey or sorry, with a Kittle or a CMC, if you wanted to go that route. Yeah. I don't know that I, 
you know, my single entry three max, I'm going to have any CMC. I just, I don't think it's worth the price point when we are just example, the game before we were talking about it for $2,000 less, we can get exposure to the highest scoring game. And there's some other backs I like from other games. Uh, yep. <laughs> you, you, Mike and I were talking before the pod about one of those very situations on someone uh, you would, you're not going to want to tackle on Saturday. And if you uh, come into our discord and, and remember, you can go check out Mike's write-up on that. Well, let's let's move on to what is, you know, probably one of the biggest games of the week, and start off with some back. I want to hear just real quick. One of the things you talked about last week is you loved the Jacksonville Cowboys game last week. How did you do with those stacks? Uh, did pretty well. Took 17th in the double spy. Uh, had okay. one lineup in the play action that went for 205 points. Took like 100th place out of, I don't know, like 200,000 entries. So um, didn't have quite the right combination to to bink anything, but it was, a, it was a profitable week, which was nice. And yeah, it's the Cowboys defense is, you, know, you look at season-long stats at this point in the year and they do provide a nice baseline but also a lot of these teams are not the same because of injuries and because opponents figuring out their scheme and there's lots of other factors that go into it but the the reality is that they're beatable Um, and they've been they've given up 27 and 40 points the last two weeks to the Jaguars and Texans so you know the Eagles even without Hurts have the playmakers here where uh, this game could still be a, a very high scoring game in top the slate. Yeah, this is for me, this, I think this is a great spot on, on that where we're going to see, and we're, I'm looking at it right now. We're already getting a little bit of lower ownership because the on the opposite side, the Eagles defense has been who they said they are and has shown who they say they are. And I think one of the things you can, you should really do and Mike just talked about it. And I'm big about this is, I generally right now, I'm only looking back to week 10, week 11, as far as the numbers I want to see from a defense and maybe even week 12. Okay. What have you been doing recently? Like to give you an example, Minnesota since week 13 is giving up 43.3 pass attempts a game, right? So there's targets that you can look at and go, okay, what is, where are they at now with who's hurt? So that being said, let's start on the Cowboys side of the ball and then we'll we'll go we'll get over to the Eagles. We know the Eagles Rundy is what it's is not where it's at. How is your exposure to Zeke and Pollard this week? Where where are you going to try to get some if any? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, so Pollard's actually the top running back in my player grid this week. Um, you know, he's just been so good, so efficient. Even last week in a game that they ended up losing is a high leverage game. He had 24, 24 running back opportunities. That's carries plus targets. So I see him as a guy who he could really break the slate and he's shown the ability to do so. The Cowboys build their offense around their running game and Zeke and Pollard are both involved, but there's enough, enough touches there. And the offense is averaging like 37 points a game over the last since that came back from injury. So you put those factors together and you look at the fact that 
Uh, Pollard has in five of the last seven games has over 22 or more points with two of those games over 35 points. And it's like, wow, like now, now he's facing an Eagles team that is without their starting quarterback. The Cowboys are at home. This is a huge game for Dallas to have any chance of winning vision. They've got to win out. And this is a spot where the Eagles pass D is top three in the league and their run defense has been, has been gouged at different points in the season. So it, it just makes sense in a lot of ways. And you look at Pollard, it, the situation just scares enough people off that it makes him like a great GPP play every week. And his salary of seven K is, is kind of in that middle range where a lot of people would rather just pay that extra grand or so uh, for a little more certainty. But, you know, I think he's he's set up in just a tremendous situation with his explosiveness. You know, and something that I was thinking about this morning as well is just the the rivalry nature of this, you know, the Cowboys and Eagles and how without Hurts and with the Eagles, because the Eagles just need to win one more game. It, any any of their last three games, if they win it, they're locked into the one seed. So they just need to win one more game. And like if they get down and they're without Hurts already and they know they've kind of got things locked up, I could see them kind of trying to, to rotate out some more defensive players and kind of pull the dogs off a little quicker. Whereas on the Dallas side, like McCarthy and the Cowboys, it's like, there's always so much negative chatter when things don't go well that like I could see them really laying it on. Like I could see them continuing to the, the way they laid it on to the Vikings. Now I think the Eagles will put up more of a fight than that game, but it just, it opens up the ceiling, I think to somebody like Pollard, you know, and maybe even like a Dalton Schultz or, or Zeke, you know, Zeke could have a couple yeah. touchdowns here as well, but Pollard's by far my favorite. So let's talk about Zeke here because that's on my thing. He's $1,000 less, and he has the ability to do that, is to vultures two touchdowns, and no one would be surprised. No one would say, oh, my gosh, I'm shocked. Zeke had, you know, 70 yards rushing, you know, 15 yards receiving, you know, on three receptions, but he had two touchdowns. And then at his price – of a thousand dollars less does he get you there and vice versa he can also have 110 and two touchdowns because he broke one versus this defense yeah one i don't other- know if, i don't know if he's got that in him to be honest he doesn't have a hundred yard game this year and i think he's just he's gonna have a solid game like if you have him on like your season-long team you're obviously starting him but he, I mean, he, he's he's going to score a touchdown almost every week. He just continues to do that. He's got 15 to 18 points in every game that he's played over the last seven weeks. Um, so, or the, his last seven games. So, I just think that it's pretty predictable outcome uh, what he's what he's going to put up there. He's he's really not a, a break it open type of guy you'd really be betting on it for him to have a, a game where you like need it. It's basically going to have to be like a three touchdown game um, because, and at his, at his age and with the, how do I say this with the, 
with the mileage. Well, more so with like the the narrative around like his contract, yeah. and Jerry Jones, yeah, yeah. and all That's that. That's where I'm going with mileage. He's, like his total overall usage. Well, he's the guy that like they like Jerry Jones is hell bent on proving like the contract was worth it, and like like they're not they're gonna preserve him. I guess is where I'm going with his it. Appreciation value. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think that you know Zeke will have a solid game, but I don't necessarily on DraftKings. It's not like a spot that I'm super interested in. It's more just he, you know, he's he's annoying to people that own Pollard, but there there can be enough. We've seen it plenty of times. There's been several games where they've combined for three touchdowns, three or four touchdowns. So uh, there's plenty to go around there. If Zeke wasn't there, Pollard would be eighty five hundred dollars. So we're actually right. I'm thankful Zeke's there because it's it's still keeping his price within range. So let's talk about the running back that most of the field was on last week and everybody was disappointed with. I I I only played one lineup with him, Miles Sanders. So you brought up an interesting narrative here on at the end of the day, this game isn't make or break for the Eagles. And we could see them, you know, we talked about it with CMC. Is it really worth putting the wear and tear and the mileage on Sanders right now when they know where they're going? They know they're going to win, need to win some games. They should have Hurts back for the playoffs. Could you also see a narrative? I could see a narrative. on. I, I want to talk about both sides of the coin. One where they just decide, you know what, we're going to lean into them. We're going to run them against Dallas's, you know, defense and their run D hasn't you know, Dallas's run D hasn't been as good this, this second half of the season. If you look at what they're allowing per carry, they had some early season games that set it off. So do they use them a lot and re- lean on them? Or do you think they do the opposite while you get some usage? They're not trying to put the mileage on them for the playoffs. I think both can be true. I mean, I think that without Hertz, it changes the complexion of the offense. It takes away Hertz is averaging like 11 rushes a game in the last few games. So, you know, that takes away that component, makes it a more traditional offense. I think it's the running game, the traditional running game and like quick hitters is kind of what plays to Minshew's skill set. And I think Sanders kind of becomes a focal point early on more so than he is in most games. You look at a lot of the Eagles games this year and it's that leaning into the dual threat using all their playmakers, maybe taking some shots downfield with some running mixed in. And then as they build a lead, they start to lean into Sanders more. And I think that this gets kind of flipped where he becomes a focal point early in the game. And if they're able to keep it competitive, I actually talked about this in some of my write-ups this week is if they're able to keep it competitive, he's probably going to see 20 to 25 touches here. He's probably going to see somewhere around 20 carries and three to four uh, targets. And against this Cowboys defense, that's probably good for a hundred plus yards. And if they're keeping it competitive, you take Hertz away at the goal line. There's a good chance he scores a touchdown or two. Now from the flip side, he could get 12, 13 first half rushes for 45 yards and they could be down 20 to three and, and it's Boston well, Scott. And, and that's, yeah. And then it's like, I talked about on the defensive side, it's okay. Like we're going to mix in Scott and gain. Well, the game script is out of hand. We got to throw it. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's a play where 
he's about the same price as he was last week. And his ceiling is probably about the same, but his ownership is going to be around like eight to 10%, maybe a little higher, but last week he was like 30 to 40%. So just from that standpoint. And then when you look at the state of the slate with how many bad weather games, there are how many low totals there are, how many bad offenses, you know, it's, it's an interesting spot, you know, it's, and that's kind of the decisions you have to make in uh, DFS tournaments. If you want to win. So speaking of spots, you got to make a decision. Let's talk a little bit more about tight end. You brought up Schultz and Goddard's back. If you've read Twitter at all this week, everybody has posted five bazillion times how Goddard's done with Minshew. And what are your thoughts there as far as using either one of those tight ends in this game? So, yeah, I mean, Schultz, I'm probably not going there. I'm more focused on Pollard. And I look at the, so Goddard is priced not too far behind TJ Hawkinson and George Kittle. And those guys are not coming back from injury and they're in a little bit better spots from a team standpoint, I think. So I like those guys better. If I play Goddard, I'm playing him with Minshew because for him to, if he pays off and out produces guys like Hawkinson and Kittle, then that means that Minshew for his $4,800 salary is probably putting together a 15 to 20 point game at least. And, you know, that just opens up the rest of your lineup if you can lock that in. So, you know, Goddard is, you know, he had a great game with Minshew last year. His best game of his career, actually six for one Oh six and two touchdowns, I believe was the final. Um, But that was one game, right? You know, it's a, right. it's a one game sample size and they didn't have AJ Brown last year either. And so I think it, it's, it's interesting. I think AJ Brown's really an interesting player this week. Um, to, he's going to come in at low ownership and obviously he has the talent. I mean, we saw him all those years in Tennessee, you know, on a run first team with, you know, probably similar quarterback play to what he's going to have this week we saw him, you know, have some games, 30 plus point games. So he's kind of an interesting uh, player to play with Minshew this week as well. Um, but yeah, I think Goddard, he's not somebody I'll play alone. If I play him, I'm going to play him with Minshew. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a guy that, that I've always been pretty high on. So I'm not ignoring him by any means. I could definitely use some uh, best ball love out of, out of Goddard this week. I would love for him to go. It would help me uh, uh, make it to the finals on a bunch of different teams. So Mike is going to be writing up the Christmas day slate. They should be coming up here and there's some interesting games on Christmas. And I want to give Mike just a a couple minutes here to let him give a teaser or two about uh, what we're going to see from these games coming up on Christmas day. Yeah. So it's interesting. You've got the Packers and dolphins game, the the early game, which, is down in Miami. I should try to hop on the Packers flight, get out of this cold. Um, but yeah, you've got the Packers run defense is just been abused this year. And the they've and historically they've been abused by the Shanahan running scheme, which we know that uh, Mike McDaniel brought from San Francisco. So with Jeff Wilson back and Raheem Mostert just had a big game against Buffalo. I think they could have a lot of success there. And also, 
Um, obviously, their receiving core uh, can really go off. And then from the Packers' standpoint against the Dolphins, you know, the Dolphins' defense has been solid against the run. Uh, they kind of fil- filter teams towards the pass, so it'll be interesting to see how Aaron Rodgers can handle that. Um, and you look at the last two games, the Broncos and Rams game is is painful to write up. Uh, and then the Buccaneers and Cardinals, <laughs> the Buccaneers and Cardinals isn't much better with uh, Trace McSorley going to be starting for the Cardinals and um, Tom Brady continuing to make uh, quarterback play look very difficult. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. But, you know, Christmas football is always fun to watch with the family. Uh, I'll, I'll probably do one thing, just, you know, one lineup. So I have something in there and I'm sure it'll be focused around the dolphins. I I don't see any other reason to go there, uh, with any of those other games. So we want to thank everybody. We hope everybody has a great Christmas and a great holiday weekend, and we will talk to you all next week.